the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you today on the big program. Lots going on today. We'll be interviewing Steve Arterburn uh, in the next hour. He's the author of a couple of new books about how to be a parent to your bonus child. That's your stepchild, but he calls it bonus child. I think is really great. And also about being a single parent. That'll begin at the top of the hour in the next hour. And uh, lots going on in the world today. So I thought I would talk about it. Coming out of the weekend, sometimes you, there are so many things to talk about. And I want to one of the things that I think we should be able to do, and you can join the conversation if you'd like to right now at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. That's 888-LA-TALKS. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. You know, one of the things that's happening is schools are going back. Schools are going back into session, and I've been thinking a lot about this, and we're going to address kids and schools a few different times in the next couple of weeks. I have a couple of guests lined up for that, and it matters. Schools, I think they're back in Orange County this week. Some of uh, other places, they're back this week. Next week, L.A. County, San Diego, you're not back to the end of the month. And uh, But all of us are uh, getting back to that period of time. I know as a parent, you know, at the end of uh, school year, I always think, oh, it's great to have everybody home. But then you get to uh, the time where uh, it's time to go back to school. And you're like, all right, I'm ready for some structure in the schedule. Um, and when we talk about school, school is maybe one of the biggest things going on. And there are so many things that we're teaching our kids to be fearful of. Next hour, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But as I've been thinking about in the big picture, I thought, you know, we should talk about the uh, bill that's being passed in Congress and and some different things because it really affects us and who we are as people. The inflation rate is affecting us. Gas prices are affecting us. So many different things are affecting who we are and how we live our life. And it does affect our kids. But one of the things I've been thinking about is how do we not frighten our kids? Just in the big picture and all of this stuff, how do we not frighten our kids when they hear all of this stuff, and, and at the same time, how do we be proactive against some of the things that our kids are being taught? You know, what are we being told to fear right now? We got to fear the COVID. We got to fear the monkeypox. We got to fear in inflation. We got to fear climate change. We got to fear war with China. I'm just going through the news right now. Fear war with Russia. Fear people changing their pronouns. Feel, fear men having abortions. Fear polio in New York. That's right, polio in New York. Uh, there's so many things we could talk about, really. Can I just say this as we think about these things? We go into the week. As we get into a period of time where, you know, the election is ramping up, you think, you say, oh, it's not till November. No, the ballots get mailed the second week of October, and uh, it's coming very fast. And can I just state it that I think the church gets to, not just the church, but everybody else, but for us, the church gets too tied up maybe practically thinking that if we just vote the right way, if people vote the right way, our problems will be solved. And they don't get solved. 
Democrats and Republicans, how long have we been talking about immigration, drug control, prisons, war, China, Russia, whoever, you know, there's, it seems like even though maybe one side is going to do a little bit better than the other, that's fine. Yeah, but in the big picture, can we realize something? We don't need to win all of the arguments, at least from a earthly standpoint. Seems like we do sometimes, don't we? But I want you to listen to this. Second Corinthians chapter 10 has a great passage for us to think about. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And that, I think, is really important for us to realize, that if we want to be successful in things going on in the world, as Christians, we don't wage war as the world does. Now, when he says this, he is talking to a bunch of people who are spending a lot of their time waging war as the world does, right? It's it's a an admonishment and also a uh, exhortation for us to say, wait a second, maybe the reason lots of things aren't working as well is because we've forgotten something. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons that we fight with have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every captive thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is what we should be doing. And in some ways, we can do a really good job at this. In other ways, we struggle. The encouragement from the apostle here is to remember this is who we are. It's not just who we, we need to be. We, we need to do that. But the first thing here you should recognize is that this is who we are. And if you're worried about so many different arguments that are happening in the world, you know, we have a famous person, I don't even get the whole conversation, who is, and it made national news, maybe global news, that she changed her pronouns. She will no longer be these or they or whatever. She's going to be she and her. Why is that new? Why do I care? Why? And do we just change them every once in a while? I think we can go down a rabbit hole and really start talking about that without realizing that the reason that we're having that conversation is because the strongholds of the world are getting rid of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. Genesis 1 through 3. You get rid of Genesis 1 through 3, then you can do whatever you want, you see. And that is the pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And so we need to take our, our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Can I tell you something here for a minute? A lot of Christians spend a lot of time when we get into spiritual things, talking about angels and demons and what might be happening in the spiritual world. The Bible doesn't really tell us a lot about how that works, and it certainly doesn't tell us to figure it all out. And when we get into that, there's an awful lot of speculation, and frankly, a lot of it is wrong. And sometimes we discredit ourselves when we say that the devil's doing something or the Lord is doing something, and they're not doing that. Uh, God will will call it, don't take my name in vain. Don't say God is doing something that he's not doing. All right, we shouldn't do that at all. A lot of it is this kind of speculation, and we go down the wrong road. But you see, this is where we miss the point, because we get distracted with trying to figure out the hows and the whys, rather than acknowledging that there is something that just is. Can you not see that we are losing our kids because of something spiritual, not just guns and pornography and weird modern philosophies that make no sense? That's spiritual, that we may not be able to say why or how, but I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to figure all of that out. I think we need to recognize, as the Bible says, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, 
all right, that our goal here is to let people know the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that there is salvation that comes through one source, Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, I've been thinking of this, that because the kids are going back to school all over the Southland, and more and more what has been revealed, and I think this is good over the last couple of years, is that kids are being taught all kinds of crazy stuff. Is it of the devil that the kids go back before Labor Day? Seems like it, but uh, that would be one of those wrong speculations. The battle is raging for the kids right now. The battle is raging for their heart, mind, and soul. And we need to do battle spiritually, which means we have to begin to pray. It doesn't mean that you don't get involved politically, you don't go vote when the time comes, and you don't go to the school board meetings, and you don't uh, make sure that you have a relationship with the teacher. We got to, you know, most teachers out there, gosh, there's, there's these, all these studies about all these teachers who are quitting, majorly quitting all across the country, and all kinds of speculation as to why. Some of it is because a lot of our great teachers out there, they just want to be educators. And instead, they find out that they're sometimes they're babysitters, but sometimes they have to peddle these philosophies that they know is trash for some political reason. You didn't get into being a teacher because you wanted to peddle some kind of political or philosophical higher education idea of boys and girls aren't really boys and girls or these kinds of things. And now we have kids who can't do math and they can't read. And then we have philosophies that say, you know what, we want to get rid of AP courses and because merit is somehow Western and um, shouldn't be forced on people, which is, you know, all that, we just go down these roads of things that don't make any sense. Do not think that it's not spiritual and because it is. And so we need to do the work of spiritual discernment and and really do it. And that, I think, is the big question, right? Are we actually, do, do you read your Bible really? I mean, in today's modern world, you have your Bible on your, your phone. I was talking with somebody earlier, and he brought up the idea that, you know, you get this thing, I get this on my phone, that tells me how long I've spent staring at my phone. If you look at it, it even tells you how many times you picked up your phone. That's gone down for me a lot. I went out and I got a regular old watch you know, it goes tick-tock, tick-tock, and it has nothing fancy about it. It just spins around, and it's a clock. And I, re- I did that because I found myself using my phone as my watch. Do you do this? I think a lot of people do this now. And not, you know, I noticed that I'm looking at my phone really just to see what time it is, but then obviously there's some kind of notification on there, or there's the temptation to go scroll and look at something, or in my case, I'm always reading the news or reading a book. And I would find myself doing that in the middle of conversations with people. Didn't mean to. I meant to take a sneak look at my watch, not because I was bored with the conversation, usually, but because, you know, I mean, usually not. (laughs) I'm not usually bored with the conversation. I wouldn't have this job. I wouldn't want you to call me at 888-528-2557. I love our conversations. But sometimes you need to know what time it is. And I'm a talker, right? So I'm usually the problem in a conversation in going too long. And if I've got somewhere to be, or I know you've got somewhere to be, I want to be sensitive to that. But I found myself, you know, just looking at your phone is a, is a distraction. Anyway, we were talking about this app that comes up and it tells you not only how many times you've picked up your phone to look at it, but how long you've been staring at that screen this week. And mine says, you looked at your screen this percentage of time less than last week or more than last week. But it also tells you what apps you're looking at. And, you know, I wonder if the Bible app even registers 
on there with your Facebook or YouTube or your Instagram or whatever it is you're looking at. I know nobody has a TikTok account um, because the Chinese own it, right? And it's bad. No, I think people have that. It's the fastest growing thing out there. And maybe you've got a paper Bible that you go look at, but I want you to imagine that the the Bible, however you look at it, and you can go ahead and count the, the time in church during the sermon. How many times, how often are you looking at that during the week, reading it? How much more time is spent on different apps, Facebook, social media? I mean, it's just easy just to scroll and you're just drooling, you're not even paying attention anymore. How much time is spent staring at the TV and not in the Word? See, if we, we say, I think as, a, as church people, we say we're doing things spiritually. And many of us are in our Bibles all the time, and I know that. And keep doing that and don't you know, look down on other people. Just encourage them to do it. But you know what? There are so many ways. It's so easy today. Since you're looking at your phone anyway, get a good Bible app. Some of them even have reading you know, programs on there that will remind you to read that will, that will give you, you know, you're going to read through this book or you're going to read on the subject. There's so many different ways to get into your scripture. See, if you care about these big things going on in the world, if we care about what the Bible calls these strongholds, these ideas, basically, that are spiritually opposed, strongholds like, you know, it's like a fence. It's, it's something that prevents the truth from getting through. The Bible's telling us that the weapons to get through there are prayer, they are loving one another, loving your neighbor, Ephesians 4.25, therefore each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. See, the way Christians act in the culture, it affects all of us. Have you ever noticed that? You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, if you want to call and join the conversation. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. If we want to break through truthfully into this culture that is so full of lies and so full of fear about so many things, it has to begin with us telling the truth and speaking truthfully to our neighbor. And I don't think that is just about Jesus loves you and some basic Christian ideas. I think it's about everything. See, I think one of the things that goes on is that we go down the road of political conspiracies where the solution is government or the solution to our hopelessness is this uh, inflation bill that they just passed that has so little to do with inflation that, that some news sources won't even call it that anymore. Uh, which is kind of funny, right? It's it's like, you know, there's so much deception in Washington all the time. You know, it's the inflation reduction bill. and uh, But I think that we're even all just kind of laughing at that. There's a news service I go to sometimes, Axios. You ever go to there? And uh, what I like about it is they sort of break things down. It's it's left-leaning, but they, they often will bring in both sides and, and different things to it. And when they report on that today, they don't even call it that. They say their headline is Senate Democrats pass $740 billion tax climate and health care bill, all lowercase, because that's not the name of the bill. The name of the bill is the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, and uh, which the Office of Management and Budget and Bernie Sanders say uh, isn't going to re- reduce inflation, which is kind of where we are. There is so much untruth in the world, but as, as Christians, 
we have to find a way to be truthful, even when we're talking about worldly things. And it's hard when there's so much deception and there's so much passion and there's so much frustration with what's going on in our our country. And I get it. I totally understand. You know, if you wonder, if you ever wonder why uh, a person maybe votes differently than you, but votes for people who are like populists. Like if you're on the left and you're wondering how in the world anybody vote for Donald Trump, or if you're on the right and you're wondering how in the world did anybody vote for Bernie Sanders? Well, you know, this is why Bernie Sanders just, you know, I don't agree with a lot of his solutions that he proposes, but he's, he'll just put it out there. He said this today. I want to take a moment to say a few words about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that we are debating Uh, this evening. And I say so-called, by the way, because according to the CBO and other economic organizations who have studied this bill, it will in fact have a minimal impact on inflation. See, he's voting for it. Now, what he's going to tell you is that you need to spend a whole bunch more money on a bunch of stuff. That's ultimately where he goes with it. And that's a different issue. But, you know, Whatever you think about bills like this, whichever, you know, right now they're coming from the the Democrats because they're in in control, but next time they might be coming from the Republicans or at some point in the future. Is that where our hope is? Is that the conversation we have with our neighbor? Does it tend to go down this path? I love to talk about it, as you know, and those kinds of things, but, you know, are we doing any good? with respect to what actually is happening in the world. And that has a lot to do with, with being a, having a biblical worldview. It's understanding what actually is happening in the world. Why do we have all of these problems? And if you don't believe there is a spiritual component to it, then it's going to be very hard to understand. And you're going to become very hardened, and you're going to become scared. You're going to be scared of climate change. Next hour, I'll talk about an L.A. Times article that talks about a six-year-old who was having nightmares about climate change since you know, a guy who's he's 20 now. But since he was six, he's been having nightmares about climate change. You know what the solution is? The solution is is truth. And it's not I'm not saying climate change is yay or nay. I'm saying that this person has nothing else but climate change if they don't have Jesus. They have you have nothing else but but staying away from the COVID or the monkeypox or the polio or whatever it is if you don't have if you don't have Jesus. There's nothing else. You know, with Jesus we have this amazing thing. To die is gain, Paul tells us. There's nothing else that is that. To to die is gain because you get Jesus. This is what we have to offer. This is who we are. This is where Christians need to stand out in this culture as not somebody on the right or the left. We should stand up for what might be true on the right or the left and be able to articulate ourselves and treat each other well in these arguments. And that's where Paul will go eventually. He says, uh, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body, because it affects all of us. You know, when when a pastor or a famous Christian person has a moral failure and it makes the news... Uh, it hurts every church. It hurts giving in every church. It hurts attendance in every church. It hurts the credibility of every church. And it's just one guy. See, that's that's why it matters, the things that we say. And then later he says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
there's a lot of needs today. If you want to talk about the economy and what's happening, this is how I think most people are kind of viewing it. This is Frank Lunds, who's one of those pollsters. He was on CNN, and they asked him, you know, how people are feeling uh, about the economy. He said this. But what has not gone away is, and we call it inflation. That's an economic term. It's affordability. Can I afford that extra package of meat? Can I afford to fill up my car? And our polling shows that one out of five Americans, literally, when they reach the cash register, have to return food because they can't afford the total bill. One out of two can't fill up their gas tank. See, that is uh, real, right? That's where well, one out of five. Is that true? I've been there before where I go to the register and I'm like, oh, that chicken I was going to buy, I can't buy it. And I got to put it back. And you have that moment of whatever the supermarket shame is, right? Where you're like, uh, I can't afford this. And, uh, you know, I've just, I've changed my mind. We come up with something. And you can't just walk back because there's people behind you in line who now are frustrated with you. And uh, then it just sits there, sadly not being bagged in your 10-cent bag. We have people around us who are hurting. And can I challenge us now as schools are coming back and we've got an election coming and we got so much going on. That as we talk about it, whether we're talking about it with our friends or we're listening to the news or our program or anything that you're involved in, that we don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but we think about what's helpful for building others up and say that according to their needs and think of other people that way. What are their needs? What do they need me to talk to them about? Because I can convince you pretty easily that the bill that's being passed probably raised inflation. Most economists say that. Well, the needs, though, that most of us have are to to serve others, to not go into debt, to help other people with that, to let people know about Jesus, to live our life lovingly and put off falsehood and speak truthfully to our neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Think about those things as we think about the news and we think about the challenges coming up. And as you pray for schools and teachers and people going back, recognize that this is a spiritual battle. When we come back, we'll talk more about it. I'll take your calls. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. We're on the air right here every day from 3 to 5, each and every weekday. Southern California Live talking about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. And I've been thinking a lot about that because there are so many issues of the day. And so many things to to be afraid of. I think that is one of the things that just continuously is the the drumbeat that we hear in our news and that gets taught taught to our kids, things to be concerned about, things to be afraid of, things to uh, that are going to make your life bad, things that are going to make your life unlivable, things that are going to hold you back, whatever. I mean, that that conversation comes from so many different angles today. We have Christ. A few years ago, when there was one of those school shootings, somebody wrote on their Facebook, a friend of mine wrote on their Facebook page, I wish there was a place for us to come together and grieve together. And I thought, this is a person who goes to church, and it didn't occur to them (laughs) that that place probably ought to be the church, right? Like, isn't that the place where we come together to 
deal with the real issues of life? Isn't that the, shouldn't that have come to your mind? Even if you're thinking, you know what, I don't know. It seems like we ought to come together at the church. And that was just, that it escaped him that that was the idea. It had totally left his mind that the place to go, if you are with whatever concern you have, or if you're not concerned, because if you're, if you're living your life well with Christ, your, your anxieties, you're going to have them because we're in this fallen world, but they're going to get smaller. Did you know that? The closer you get to Christ, the smaller your anxieties become. And one of the ways that you do that is you help and serve other people. One of the ways that you do that is you, when you're closer to Christ, you do what the Word of God says. How often do we do that? Before the break, I was talking about how often do we read our Bible and we get that little report from our phones that, or our mobile devices that tell us how long we've been staring at the screens. What's the average number of time for most people? It's something like six or seven hours a day we're watching entertainment. And uh, gosh, there's so much to life that we're not living anymore. We have to work really hard with my kids to uh, not have them on the social media all the time. Not social media. We don't even let them even have that yet. They keep asking. But I mean the the video games or they'll watch YouTube on the, the TV. They have that on the TV and we block that, you know, so they can't watch very much, but they can watch a lot of the uh, family-friendly video game stuff. And there's so much more to life. I was so excited this week where James took out my bike to go ride it and I got to teach him how to do a... Uh, I think mine's a 15 speed. I actually, just out of my brain, I just want to say 10 speed, but there's 15 and here's how you do it. And uh, he's almost as tall as me now, so he can ride it. And the fact he looked like uh, the seat needs to get lifted up. Maybe I'm just imagining that he's not taller than me yet. And there's so much to like. I rode all over town on my bike. Do kids have that today? Do kids have that freedom? I don't know. And it scares me as a parent. Were my parents afraid the way I am, there's so much fear. The way to move past it is to put your hope in Christ. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. You know, we get mad. Are you mad? You know, we should be outraged. That was part of uh, there's a there's a Bernie Sanders speech today that I actually gave it on Saturday. You can go find it online. It's like a half an hour long. Now, he talks very slowly. And so it's 10 minutes long for most people. But he talks about outrage. We should all be outraged at the price of our prescription drugs. And uh, yeah, I guess we should. They're 10 times more than the rest of the, uh, the world is. I, you know, are people really outraged? I think they're frustrated. <laughs> outrage is such a, uh, a funny word. But in our outrage, do we sin? You know, I think one of the ways that we, we sin sometimes when we're talking about the issues of the day with people is that we we make stuff up in defense of things that other people are, are making up. I mean, do you follow some of the conversation out there that gets really into there must be some kind of government conspiracy behind uh, these diseases that are out there? 20%, according to a recent poll, 20% think that the monkeypox virus was started in a lab. Now, there's some reason, I think, to believe that maybe people are arguing that the COVID came out of a lab. I don't think that's totally out of the question. In fact, you know, at one time you were told that uh, that's just a conspiracy theory and they took out your Twitter account if you said that. But now it's like, well, right now the, the story is no, but we're not entirely sure. I mean, there's a 
you know. The monkeypox, though, we know that's not the case. It's been around for a long time. But that's where people immediately go. The other one was that monkeypox is being is something that happens because of your 5G on your phone. Why do we say stuff like that to each other? And who's out there saying it? Don't listen to those people. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. We have people with a lot of needs. You know, I think that one of the ways that we would encourage more people to go to church, to care about the church, to think the church is okay. Is, does does the neighborhood where your church is in, do the people who don't go to church, are they glad your church is there? Would they miss it if you packed it up and moved to some other place or if you went out of business? That's a great question to ask, I think, at any church. Is the people who are next door to us, the people on the other side of our parking lot, whose property value comes down a little bit because they're right next to a church, uh, would they be upset if we left? And you know, hopefully the answer is yes, because even if the people aren't sure about Jesus, they know that good is going on on that property for the community. That is a really good thing. You know how we do that? We follow the scripture. Ephesians 4, 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. See, I'm thinking about this because of school and the the kids and the next generation. And and my kid, he's 13, is in youth group now. And what's he going to learn in youth group? What people is he going to be around? What kind of a man is he going to be in just five years when uh, he goes to college? I hope that he's able to get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and every form of malice. Because isn't that so much of what's happening? Isn't that, doesn't that just hold on to us? Isn't that so much of our politics, so much of, and left and right, brawling and slander, saying things that aren't true about the other side, along with every form of, of malice with every form of being hateful to other people. Real hate, not not philosophical hate. You know, you're a hater if you uh, believe in Jesus in some circles or if you have a, a biblical understanding of sexuality or a biblical understanding of creation or anything, you're a hater. I don't mean that kind. I mean the kind where you just tear down people who don't agree with you. Where we were Christians on Sunday for an hour and or an hour and a half, Two hours, some of some of you four hours. You ever go to a church where you don't you haven't it's a you know, they're coming at it from a different style and you had no idea that you're gonna be there all day. That's great. Probably they feed you too, and it's amazing. We have so much that we can do together. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven if you want to join the conversation. Eight 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 five two eight. 2557 is the number. And I've gone down this road because I've been thinking so much about, and we were going to talk about this bill and the uh, anti-inflation bill or whatever. They're, they're not even barely calling it that anymore. And ultimately, I'm worried about, and I shouldn't use the term worry. Jesus tells us not to worry. I'm, I'm concerned just about the continuing problem we're going to have with, with inflation and what that does to people with one out of five people have to put something back every time they go to the grocery store because it's more expensive than they thought. 
Well, that's going to keep going probably. I think one of the questions that we have to ask when we get scared, when we hear fearful things, two questions maybe, so what and now what? You know, if you're lying in bed at night and you're thinking your head just starts spinning and you're worried about how you're going to pay your bills or you're worried about, you know, where you're going to eat, how you're going to eat, those kinds of things, you know, those things matter tremendously, obviously. They're going to be on your mind. But ask yourself, so what and now what? Meaning, you know, at the end of the day, if you, you know, are you really going to not be able to deal with this? You probably can. And now what is the, how do I deal with it? Now what is the, well, I need to not spend money on this. Now what is I need to, um, you know, cut out cable TV, get a smaller cell phone account. You know, it's amazing what we won't give out. You should look at your, your credit card statement and all of the different things that are subscriptions on there. I mean, Americans, the average American is spending hundreds of dollars a month on subscriptions to, you got your, your music that you got to subscribe to because the free, you can't handle the commercials, I guess. You've got the Netflix, the Disney, the Hulu, the who knows what, what are people like subscribe to? There's, I think we've hit a max. That's why some of these don't make it, right? That's why some of them go out of business because, you know, CNN plus went down the tubes. You know, why do you need CNN plus? Why do you need more? and 24-hour news cycle from a station that you're not watching anyway. Why didn't anybody think about that? I think, though, a big part of it is that people are broke. Ask yourself if you're worried about something and, like, the worst case happening. That's the so what. So what? You know what? Jesus still loves you. You're going to be fine. You might have to move, worst case scenario. You might have to get another job. You might have to sacrifice some. You might go through a hard time. And you know what you find out is that whenever we go through the valleys in our life— that's when God does the most growth. We grow the least when we're on top of the mountaintop. It's the valleys where we grow. It's the valleys where the water rushes off the mountaintops and feeds our soil. That's where God's going to do some work. But he's going to stay with you. Your salvation doesn't go away. Your faith doesn't mean nothing. It'll be challenged. Good. That's the so what and go sleep. The now what? You got to make a decision and act, but it's okay. That's how life is. I just want to encourage you with those words today. As we start a week, school starting back up all over the Southland in the next couple of weeks. Pray for our kids and the next generation, but think about us as a church as more than just some political way of dealing with things, but as a group of people who have spiritual power that we have been given to make an impact and start to pray. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. I'll be back in just a moment as the Monday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Olivia Newton-John passed away today. She had breast cancer. She was uh, 73, I believe. She was around when I was a kid, and uh, she was one of those people that you could listen to or not listen to, depending on the song uh, in uh, my household. And um, But uh, in later years, when she got sick especially, uh, I hope that she was saved. There was a time where she was 
uh, talking about Jesus and coming to know Jesus and uh, declaring her faith. She kind of gets into some other things that uh, I'm not too sure about, but, you know, an interesting question for us when we think about it is how wrong do you have to be about certain spiritual matters uh, until you're not saved? You ever think about that? It's kind of the the seminary question, right? Is it, uh, how are you how are you saved? A person is saved because of faith in Jesus Christ. You're saved by faith. You're saved by the grace of God. God had grace on you. He, it's unmerited favor. That's grace. You didn't earn it. It's the, in fact, it's important to us. It's the distinction of Christianity from any other faith or philosophy in the world is that salvation is by faith alone, that God provides it through Jesus Christ, that if you believe in him, you will have everlasting life, that he died for your sins and that he rose again from the grave when you believe that, when you believe in your heart, like you truly believe that. That's what it means to believe in your heart. You truly believe it. You confess with your lips, Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us. Then you get everlasting life. That's the difference of Christianity and every other faith. There's really just two religions. One says that you earn it, that if you're a good enough person or you do enough good deeds or enough religious deeds, then you will earn whatever salvation is. It's not always salvation, so to speak. It might be reincarnation into something better. It might be you become one with the universe. You become a force ghost. You become whatever it is that that religion or philosophy teaches. You know, I guess if you're a humanitarian and then, uh, you know, a secularist, secular humanist, and you think this is it, your goal still is to be a good person. You know, there's a, there's a lot of conversation today about, you know, different things about abortion. And one of the conversations that comes from the pro-abortion side is that this is a religious point of view, the anti-abortion thing, and therefore um, the government should have, shouldn't have anything to do, it, do with it because they're pushing um, faith. But the problem is, is that there are lots of secular anti-abortion groups out there who go to great lengths to say, no, we don't have any particular faith. We just think that this is wrong. And that comes from kind of a secular humanist point of view where you think about it. And if the goal is to be a good person, it's difficult to make the argument that abortion is something good for humanity. The problem with all of that is that ultimately, you know, if there is no God, if there is no afterlife, if there is nothing else, if nothing is spiritual, then I guess it doesn't really matter. You know, morals, it's really hard to argue for anything morally if there's no God, if there is no cosmic justice. In Christianity, we believe that we get saved because of faith. So when I think about people like Olivia Newton-John, who at some point uh, proclaimed to be Christians, um, and then maybe they have some points of view that I would struggle with as a uh, Bible-believing Christian, and I don't know her, I don't know her personally, I have no idea what she really thinks. Only Jesus knows that anyway. Uh, I hope that she did. I hope that she got saved. I hope that she knows the Lord. And that's something that, you know, part of the grace that we should give other people is that, you know, how wrong do you have to be to no longer be saved? We all disagree on stuff, biblically. You know, how wrong do you have to be before you're not a Christian? Certainly there's lines. If you don't believe that Jesus is the Savior, well, then you're not. You're, if you don't believe that he died for your sins, I would tell you, if you don't believe that he physically rose from the grave, actually did that, then you're not a Christian. You're something else. Lots of other faiths take Jesus as their own. Jesus is a prophet. He's a good teacher. Some people think he's, you know, kind of a spiritual guru. Some people think he's just spirit. He's a ghost. Or that the idea that he didn't rise from the grave, but the ideas that Jesus taught are what saves us. 
not that he physically came up. See, if you believe in Jesus, the reason that Christianity works this way is that he came up. It's the, it's the resurrection that is the foundation of our faith. And that he came up out of the grave. That he physically came up, that death was defeated, because death is the enemy. Death is the reason there's so much fear. The COVID, the monkeypox, the Chinese government, the Russian government, our government, whatever government, whatever bill, whatever disease, whatever thing. Death. We're afraid of death. We spend more money on trying to stay alive for another month, another two months in our life than we do the rest of our life combined in our health care to push it off just a little bit longer. That's what we do. Why? Because death is the enemy. Don't let anybody ever tell you that death is not the enemy or that death is just a part of life. You know, a, a biology class will tell you that death is a part of life and somebody will sing the circle of life and all of that. Fine. Okay. But don't let people tell you that death is not the enemy. It is. That's why we have all this fear. What do, what do people do when they try to leverage you with, with fear? It's your death, the death of loved ones. It's because death is the enemy. It takes your loved ones. Death takes your grandparents. It takes your parents. In tragedy, it takes your kids. It eventually rob you of everything that you want to be and do. That's death. That's the enemy. As Christians, we believe that Jesus defeated that enemy, death. And that's great news. That's the news. So whenever I hear of, you know, somebody passes away, I never know what's in their heart anyway. There are people who, you know, their whole life, their whole public life, you know, maybe they were anti-God, but I don't know that they didn't get saved at the last minute like the thief on the cross. No idea. So you always have that kind of hope. You always have that. One of the best funerals I ever did was a guy who was not, didn't proclaim to be a believer at all and lived a pretty wild life. And he died because of his pretty wild life, frankly diseases and things that are caused by that died earlier than he should have and uh the the service though was held in a church and people were getting up and it was pretty somber and people were saying things you know they're all kind of nice things they're saying about this guy and i didn't really know him uh i knew his nephew who asked me to do the funeral because other than his nephew and uh, his nephew's immediate family nobody in that family really knew jesus and so they didn't know a pastor, and we knew this guy, so they, they took me there. And all these people are sharing. His brother finally gets up, and his brother says, well, we're in a church. I don't think we should lie uh, anymore because we're in a church. So let's just be honest. Uh, he's in hell. That's what he says right at the funeral. You know, he's, he's not looking down at us. He's looking up. He's, he's down there in hell. And then he says, so I think I want to talk about the reasons why he's in hell. And then he started talking about all the partying, all the girls, all the drugs, all the stuff. And it was hilarious, frankly. People were laughing their head off and it, it broke the mood in there. And it's not a funny thing, someone going to hell. But everybody in there was thinking this person died too young because of his lifestyle. Anyway, whether they think that from a spiritual standpoint or not. Anyway, he got done and I was next. And I got to get up and say, you know, since you brought it up, uh, we actually don't know that he's in hell because we don't know what he might have come to believe in his last days. And I got to talk about the gospel and I got to talk about the possibilities. Now, if he didn't come to believe that, okay, hell, that's what it says. And therefore, we all who are still living need to consider that. And I was able to give probably the best gospel presentation I've ever given at a funeral because 
of that guy's statement about that. See, we don't know. That's grace. That's that's Christianity. That is uh, something that sometimes people think is not fair. Well, it's not fair that somebody can live like that and still go to heaven and somebody can live a relatively good life and, and not because it's not about that. Every other the reason we get confused, the reason we think it's not fair is because the human condition to think about good and evil is that you get rewarded for your good and you get punished for your evil spiritually, however that works. And the Bible tells us that nobody's good enough to get to heaven. You need a savior. You need someone to pay the bill for you. You can't afford it. You can't afford eternal life. You will not be perfect. Except that we have somebody who lived perfect in your place. His name is Jesus. And my friends, when we think about that, when we think about somebody, there's always hope. It's up to Jesus. I like to think that grace is pretty wide, but uh, that it's also something that is very, very clear. I don't think it's ever unfair. I don't think anybody goes to heaven and says, oh, this isn't really fair. I think once we are standing before Jesus, all of it, uh, all of it is very, very clear. Be encouraged that way, but be encouraged that the way we live our life is to love Jesus and to love people, that it's about Jesus. That's where the hope is. That's where the joy is. That's where the lack of fear is. That's where the perseverance is. That's where we go whenever we have an opportunity uh, to help people through something. It's to point them to Jesus Christ. All right, we've been talking about that a lot today, uh, but I think that it's important for us to step back and really think about our faith this way, right? This is what we are to do, and when we look at the issues of the day, we got to look through it through that lens, through the lens of what really is happening here. My friends, it's a spiritual world. Love people in the name of Christ, and whatever you do, do it in truth, truth and love, and fight for that kind of discernment. That matters greatly. All right, well... When we get back, we are going to have a special guest with us, Steve Arterburn. He is the founder of New Life Ministries. He's the best-selling author and host of New Life Live, and he's got a couple of uh, new books that are coming out, and uh, he's going to talk about those books and a lot more for us as we think about um, how to be a parent, as we think about school getting back into session. And maybe you're not a parent, maybe you're a grandparent, but you've got grandkids around. Maybe you are a guardian, and maybe you're somebody who has the ability to uh, or the opportunity to help raise kids. Maybe you're a teacher, and now's the time to really, all the, all the time is to be thinking about it. But with school starting, with so many things going on, uh, this is a really good time to evaluate how we're doing, how we can encourage each other to do better, and really invest and love our kids. So Steve will be with us here in just a couple of minutes, so stay with us for that. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. And as always, it's good to be with you. If you miss an hour of our program, you can go to kkla.com for the podcast, look for the program guide, and look for Southern California Live, SoCal Live, and the podcast will be right there. You can subscribe. You can get past shows. All of it is right there. You can also email me at SoCalLive at kkla.com, SoCalLive at kkla.com. I'm Scott Furrow, your host of Southern California Live. We'll be back with Steve Otterburn in just a moment as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.